We've been talking about Abraham and Sarah, and uh, we're going to pick that up and continue to talk about our spiritual father and mother. And so I've entitled this today, Abraham and Sarah, Faith That Overcomes the World. So faith is actually a dynamic, a force, a power, if you will, that actually can overcome every obstacle you'll ever face in this world. It's a power that the world cannot overcome. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail. We're on the advance. We advance the kingdom by faith. Faith is the very thing that captures the heart of God. It is what secures all of his promises to us. Complaining doesn't. Kvetching doesn't. Faith is what captures the heart of God. And Abraham and Sarah, well, they're that paradigm of faith for us. In them and in their story, we learn what faith looks like and how it operates. So today we're going to continue to look into the lives of our spiritual mother and father, Abraham and Sarah. Let's start with looking closer at the nature and power of faith itself. Faith overcomes everything that the world will throw at you. 1 John 5. We'll work down through the next four verses. Let's begin with verse 1. It says, Whoever believes in Jesus, I'm sorry, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Think about that for a minute. That's Torah 101. The Torah itself was prepping us for the arrival of the Son of God. This is the essence of the Torah. This is the goal of the Torah, to bring us and introduce us to the Messiah. And it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. This is the very definition of love. This is the platform of which faith is launched from. We love God and observe his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. When you love God, you love his commandments. It's just natural. If you're having a problem with his commandments or a particular commandment, it's because you're a little bit short on your love for God. When you love God, there is this, this, this compelling nature of that love that causes you to love his ways. They're beautiful and wonderful. Even his judgments, even his chastisements when we get you know, uh, um, a rebuke from the Lord or chastisement, that's kind of a bittersweet thing too. I, I don't know about you, but when I got spanked when I was a boy, it helped release my guilt and my shame. You know, there was something, there, there was times where I was just thinking, man, I hope I get caught because I need a whooping because I'm feeling pretty bad, you know? But I'll tell you, the judgments of God are righteous. They're beautiful and wonderful and righteous and altogether pure and holy. All of the ways of, of the Lord are good. And when we love God, it's just natural to love his commandments. 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Your belief in Jesus gives you what you need to begin to overcome the world. As you embrace him as the son of God, as your Lord, as your Savior, you then are positioned to begin to overcome everything the world will ever throw at you. Faith equates to trust. And trust leads us to faithfulness when it comes to the ways of God. If you believe something, you'll manifest that in your life. Faith always, always gives rise to, to obedience. Whatever you believe in, whatever you trust in, you will pursue. So faith actually equates to trust, trusting in God, believing in him. To believe in him means that you trust in him. Because you trust in him, you will also give him your allegiance. Now, we understand that on a political level, don't we? I pledge allegiance to the flag, right, of the United States of America. We have this pledge of allegiance to our core values, to who we are as a nation. When we put our trust in the Lord, when we put our trust in Jesus, actually we're giving our allegiance to God. We're saying, God, we give to you our lives, our fame, our fortune. Use us any way you wish. Allegiance and loyalty are the children of faith. They vindicate faith. They demonstrate that you really believe. So what is faith? And how do we operate in it? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped hoped for what are we hoping for as a community what are we hoping for we're in a time of crisis it's been a pretty rough year for all of us right as a community uh, we have some enormous challenges so what is our hopes you know i believe part of our hope is that we would be used by god in sharing the gospel of jesus and his kingdom that we'd be a community known of, of being in love with Jesus and sharing the gospel of Jesus with those around us. That we would also hope to be a witness for the Lord, to be used, to be able to give testimony of him, the one who saved us, right? To heal the sick. I mean, isn't that a strong desire? Isn't that a great hope? Do we not hope that when we lay our hands on our loved ones and we pray that God will move and heal them? That's a great hope. We need to cultivate that hope. Cast out demons, set people free, right? Even see the dead raised. I pray that we would cultivate a hope to be used to bring people into a saving relationship with God. I would love to see you know, people baptized here. I mean, we've baptized a number of people over the years. I'd like to see that just leap and increase. Wouldn't it be great to baptize hundreds of people, thousands, to see like revival come and people just turning to the Lord? It'd be amazing to have that take place here. And then, of course, to teach them the Torah, to teach them 
the commandments of God, a new way of living, right? Yeah, because he saves us in our sin. And then he delivers us out of our sin so that we can live according to his way, his ways, his commandments. So we are also desiring and hoping to be able to make disciples of the nations. First, our neighborhoods, our family, our friends, and then, of course, extending that outward. A great hope that by believing in Jesus and asking God to empower us by his Holy Spirit, that we would actualize these hopes, realize these hopes, live these hopes out. That's the nature of faith. That's where it all begins. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Verse 2, For by it, faith, the men of old gained approval. Faith always gains God's attention. When you believe God for the impossible, when you choose to ask him and trust him for what you need versus complaining about your problems, right? If you just complain about your problems, he's going to yawn. You know, you're not going to get his attention. But if you petition him and ask him for whatever it is that you need and then believe that he's going to bring that, he's going to give you his divine attention. He will do that. Believing in God and walking in his ways will always gain his approval, even his favor. And when you have the favor of God, you know, things just go your way. You know, what you need is you need the favor of God in your life. I need the favor of God in my life. That changes everything. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and 9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Think about that. Oh, yeah, he's searching. He's looking. He's even looking at us today. His eyes are upon you. Is your heart fully his? Have you given him all of your heart? He's saying, for those who give me all of their hearts, I will prove myself strong on your behalf in every way. That's amazing. When you have God, you know, I was going to say palling around with you, but it's just irreverent. When you have God with you, all around you, walking with you, you are invincible. Man, that is like, that is like going to open doors. That's going to break down, you know, prison doors. That's how they were singing in that cell, and God caused a miracle to take place, and their, their prison doors opened. That's what Elder Grandy was citing that passage. I mean... Can you think about that for a moment? You are locked down. The government is on you, locked you up, and they think they got you. And all of a sudden, the doors just open up, and you walk right out to step into a family-owned egg and have the best meal of the day, right? Just amazing what God will do on our behalf when our hearts are fully His. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. 
Genesis 1, let there be light. Bam! And there was light. Over and over and over, God says, let there be, and whatever he is speaking, it came into existence. He brought all things into existence by the power of his spoken word. That's how things came into existence. This is the backbone of faith itself and how it works. Romans 4.17. Paul says, It is God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. How How does things come into being? By God calling them into being with his words. And then they came into being. God brings things into being by speaking them into existence. Let me give you the amplified version on this uh, passage. It says, God gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existing things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. He speaks of things as though they're existing when they're not existing. Think about that. That sounds a little bit like crazy. To call something and then say it's existing when it's not there yet. And yet that's the nature of faith. Calling things that are not as though they are. And then somehow, some way, those things make their way into our reality. We call that a miracle. That's how we move mountains. That's how people get healed, delivered, and saved. This is the nature of faith itself. Jesus teaches something very similar to this in Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. Now, let me give you the setting. They're in Bethany, and they keep going up to Jerusalem, and they spend the time there during the day, and then they come back down to Bethany, and they camp out overnight, and then they go back up to Jerusalem the next day. And so on their way there to Jerusalem, there's a fig tree, and Jesus wanted to eat some fruit figs. I love figs, by the way, and when you're a little bit tired and you got a ways to go, a couple of figs, they're going to give you a lot of energy. So he goes over to that fig tree, and there's no figs on it. So he curses the fig tree. He speaks a curse to the tree. And then they keep going. Here we are the next day. They're getting up about 24 hours later, and they're walking that path again. Verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. They were astonished. Why? Because he could speak something and bring it to pass? I mean, that is, that is pretty powerful when you think about that. And just his spoken word and bringing to pass what he spoke, right? And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. You think that's something? You need to have faith in God. See, what you're seeing is my faith in God. You need to learn this. You have faith in God. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, and that was probably the mountain, um, help me out, 
No, that was, no. This is like, not going to go anywhere. Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives, okay. It's a much smaller mountain, okay? He wants them to start with the smaller mountains, the hills. Thank you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes in what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Whoever believes and doesn't doubt that what he spoke will come to pass, he says, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they will be granted you. Let me just, let me just restate that a little bit differently so we can catch the impact of this. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them already. Whatever you're praying for and asking God for, you need to believe you've already received that, that he's heard you and he's already given it to you. You need to believe and act and speak as if that's already true. It's a reality already. And then, after that, at some point, it says, they will then be granted to you. It comes later. You speak first. You believe first. And then it comes to pass. And of course, that has to be in the will of God, right? No pink Cadillacs. It's not for your own selfish interests. It's to advance the kingdom of God, to touch the lives of those around you. And when we speak and believe God in accordance with faith and then act as though God has granted that to us, he will then move on his part to give that to us. Another fascinating passage, Mark 9 and verse 23. Jesus says to this father who brought his son, whom the disciples couldn't heal. And he's basically saying, look, I, I don't know what's going on. Your disciples can't heal him. And, you know, I'm desperate. And uh, I need help. I'm struggling with doubt. And, 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 you know, I believe, but I doubt. Can you help me? Jesus says this interesting thing. He says, all things are possible to him who believes. He, he didn't say, oh yeah, this is possible. Just believe and trust. No, he said no. He says, that's nothing. All things are possible. All things. Even the greater things. Everything is possible to those who believe. Yeah, our faith can overcome any and all obstacles. Faith can overcome the world. Faith is a dynamo, a power, a principle embedded in the fabric of this universe. This universe bows at the altar of faith. God will bring to pass all things that he has promised to those who believe. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't move God with pity. You cannot move God with weeping and complaining and griping and moaning. 
The only thing that's going to capture God's attention is faith. And that faith is going to move his heart. It's impossible to move his heart without faith. Let me read this now. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We, we, when we come to God, God's saying, hey, I want you to come believing in me. I want you to come, set your problem down at the altar, and then turn to me and look to me. I have the answers. I have the solutions. Believe in me. Trust in me. And he's saying that if you'll come believing that I'm actually going to reward you and not punish you, not berate you, not send you away, if you come believing that I'm good and that I'm going to reward you, then I'll move in my power on your behalf. But we've got to believe that. We've got to change our view of who God is. We've got to come to him knowing that he does care for us, have a heart for us, that he wants to help us, and that he will reward us for coming to him. We are going to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven by speaking and believing and proclaiming his will. We're going to get the job done by faith because that's the only way to get the job done. By coming in alignment with his ways, by persevering in hard times when it looks like everything is going to Sheol in a handbasket. Perseverance is in Jesus. Do you realize that? People, you, you know, oftentimes we think, are we going to make it, right? I mean, a lot, of, a lot of tough situations in life, are we going to make it? Let me tell you something. In Christ is the power to preserve, is the power to persevere. When we trust in the Lord, the Lord says, I'm going to make sure you make it through. We're not only saved by faith in Jesus, we're saved by the faith of Jesus. We persevere because he is in us, causing us to persevere under all conditions, all circumstances. That's why with him we can rejoice and hold our heads high. And regardless of what we faith, we or what we face, we know we can overcome it by faith and trust in him. As followers of Messiah, we keep believing and we keep doing against all odds because in the end we know God is going to make good on all of his promises. Verse 13, and what, what are those promises? God is all into blessing. He loves to bless. He created us in his image, and he wants to bless us in spite of our rebellion, the fall, all of that stuff, right? He's saying, now I'm going, to, I'm going to redeem you. I want you to experience my love. So he promises this to Abraham early on, I'm going to give you all the lands that you sojourn in. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless in you all the families of the world. It goes on to say in verse 14, or chapter 4 of Romans, verse 13, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world, not just the promised land. He's the heir of the world. The promised land was just kind of a down payment on that. 
I remember uh, in dialogue with a, a very celebrated Messianic Jewish scholar, um, and, and he was all worked up and had his shorts in a bunch because all these Gentiles here in our congregation are kind of pressing in and, and uh, walking in the Torah and, you know, and he's saying, look, look, this is not for the Gentiles. You know, you Gentiles think that all these promises made to Israel are yours too. It's impossible. It's impossible. He says the land is like one-eighth the size of Colorado. Do you think all the Gentiles let me claim to that? Well, you know, that's not even possible. I say, I don't want the land. No, that's yours. I don't want your land. That was promised to you. That's your land. I got my eyes on some other real estate around the globe. There's plenty of real estate for everybody. Because in the end, we get the world not just one-eighth the size of Colorado. Right? We get it all. So you keep that because I've been there. I love it. It's just a big desert for the most part. Now I got my eyes on other places, okay? So you take yours, I'll take mine, and then we can visit in the age to come, right? But what God promised Abraham and his descendants, both Jews and Gentiles, is that we would rule and reign with Yeshua. We get not only when it says we're the heirs of the world, it's not even the world, the, the, the Greek word is cosmos. We get the entire universe. We're going to traverse the universe with immortalized, glorified, glamorized bodies. It's going to be so amazing in every way. Hallelujah. You don't have to say, beam me up, Scotty. You'll just go when you want to. Yeah. So let's look at Abraham and uh, pick up some things about him and uh, this whole faith walk because he's our paradigm. He's our model. Him and Sarah, they are the ones that are the, you know, paradigms for faith. So here's Genesis 17, verses 1 through 22. Now Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between you and me, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, I want you to think for a moment what's going on here. That promise of a child was made many years earlier, and it didn't come to pass. So Abraham and Sarah got nervous, and in the flesh, grabbed Hagar to bring about the promise of God, which is supposed to be by faith. As a result, it messed up everything. But God kept him on track, and he said to them, no, actually, my promise is by faith, not through the flesh, right? So you're going to have to continue to believe me, and then I'm going to bring that to pass. And he says, and Abraham, this is 13 years after they did the Hagar deal. Ishmael's 13 years old. And God's saying, hey, you know that promise I made you? I'm still going to do that. He's like, oh, no. You know, I mean, as bad as it was back then, 13 years later, I mean, what? He says, yeah, change your name. Your name is now Abraham. It means father of many nations. L look at this. It says, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. He didn't say, I will make you. He didn't say, I'm going to make you the father. He said, what? I have made you. 
You know, if you're Abraham, you're probably looking around saying, what? I don't, I'm not, I don't have a bunch of nations behind me. I don't even have the son you promised. I don't even have one person, let alone millions. He says, no, I've made you. What, what's God doing? He's speaking things as though they are that are not yet in place. This is what we read about in Romans. God's calling things that are not as though they are. That's the nature of faith. He begins to speak what he's going to do. And then that word that he speaks is going to reverberate throughout the universe. And the whole universe is going to get behind it and work with Abraham and Sarah to bring about what God had said was already done. Man, we got to live in the context of faith, not our circumstances. We got to acknowledge our circumstances. Don't deny your circumstances. Acknowledge them and then live by faith. What is the will of God? What is the heart of God? What is it that you need? Speak that. Believe God for that. And he's going to bring it to pass because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, so. He goes on with a number of other promises. It comes down to Genesis 17 and verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And that means mother of many nations. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. She will be the mother of nations. Kings and peoples will come forth from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. I mean, he just falls and laughs. He starts laughing like we do when people talk like that around us. Saying things that are, we would say aren't even true. What are you talking about? Let me tell you something. Abraham laughed, but the last laugh was on him, right? We all know that. We know the story. But he says in his heart, like God can't hear him. Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I always tell Don, don't count me out. <laughs> Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Let Ishmael be the answer. Don't bypass him. But God said, no. See, that was of the flesh. God is not going to reward the flesh. He's not going to bless the flesh. He's going to bless the promise by faith, not the works of the law. God says, no. But Sarah, your wife will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Yeah, keep laughing, Abraham. Have a good one, but the son is coming. And his name is going to be Isaac, because the laugh, laugh is on you. That's what Isaac means, laughter. says, yeah, you're going to name the kid laughter. I want you to name him laughter, because you think it's so funny. But he's coming. Get ready. It's been spoken, and it will come to pass, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 18 of chapter 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, 
at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Promised many, many years earlier, they went through several trials of faith. They lost the vision even. They thought it'll never come to pass. They had their own timeline, and God says, no, it's on my timeline. I don't, I don't care how disappointed we might be. Our disappointment's usually related to the fact that God's not answering on our timeline. But don't mistake that as he's not answering. He will answer. He will come through. He's true in all of his ways. We, how many people have been healed of a physical sickness or illness before? Yeah, about half of you. We are going to get healed over and over and over. Our God's a healer. And then we're going to die one time. At a given point, we're going to die. And in that death will come the ultimate healing. The one that lasts forever and ever and ever. Our God never fails us. He is good through and through. So they have their child and they name him Isaac. And that becomes the paradigm of faith. One of the fundamentals of Messianic Judaism that is shared, of course, with all of Christianity is the sharing of the good news of the redemption, the rule and reign of God that has come to us in the arrival of his son nearly 2,000 years ago. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Savior of the world to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. Jesus said it well in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, some of the final words that he gave to his disciples and through them to us. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Make disciples. Abraham and Sarah did. We read about that, right? Make converts. That's what they did. Share the good news of Jesus. Help people get born again. And then let's baptize them. The very symbol of conversion. In those waters of baptism is the picture of a person dying with Christ and rising with them. That's why you shout when they come out of the water, born again! Because it's a new creation in Messiah. And then take those newbies and teach them the ways of God. Teach them the Torah. Teach them the commandments of God. This is what we do. This is who we are. We need to pray daily for divine appointments. We have to have a daily prayer life that says, God, give me some divine appointments. You know, those are those special times throughout the day where you have some opening, some opportunity to either share or do something nice that you sense God is lined up for you 
I tried to come to church today. My, I have new neighbors. We went over there five, six times, rang their doorbell over and over. They got one of the cameras on their doorbell. I know they can see us. We went at different times because I think maybe they work nights. I, no matter how many times we went with a gift, they would not answer their door. So I gave the gift to someone else. So I'm ready to come to church. You know, it's been five weeks maybe. Yeah. So this guy gets out of his car, right in front of the house. I'm thinking, it's the homeowner. So I stopped and rolled down my window. I said, hey, how you doing? You know, I said, you own the home? He says, no, my son does. He says, I'm just here to shut off the water. He says, but I I can't find it. I've been over several times. And yeah, divine appointment. I knew right away. Man, when they come, they come fast. You got, you got to respond right away, you know? So I, I thought, this is my way in, you know? Got the dad. You got the dad, you got the son, right? So I, I got out my tools, and we rummaged around, and we had some problems, and we finally, you know, got, got, got it fixed. And, uh, and I'm, there, I'm there in my church clothes, on my hands and knees. I'm sweating. You know, we're down there trying to fix grimy, you know, sprinkler plumbing stuff in the ground, you know, and I know, I just, I'm just laughing inside because I know this guy's thinking, who is this guy? Why is he doing this, you know? It's because I have an agenda. I want, I want to meet your son and his wife and his kids. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing, and I want to lead him to Christ, and if he already knows Christ, I want to lead him back to the Torah, and if he already knows Christ and the Torah, I want to find out where he's going, because we're like the closest place. Because there's not many of us, right? Invite them here so we can join together in making disciples, sharing the love of Jesus, and then making disciples. That's who we are. That's what we do. So I want to encourage you as a community that we become that community that prays for divine appointments and takes advantage of them and builds the kingdom. All right, so what I want to do is I want to invite uh, Shane up. Shane's relatively uh, new here. Welcome, Shane. Round of applause. So, so Shane, I just want to ask him a couple questions, and, and you can get to know him a little bit better just with these questions. But, Shane, you, you, you obviously just stumbled on us somehow. You were looking, what's going on? How, how long have you been a believer? Okay, so very young, right, right, right. So uh, one day, out of the blue, you decided, hey, what's this Torah thing? How, what, what happened with, you know, discovering the Torah and specifically the Sabbath that you said, man, I want to I find a community that's walking in these ancient paths. So um, stand over here. I want you to stand over here so we're on All camera. Right, so, you know, the two um, cameras, one there. Okay. And one back there. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I'm a little shy. That's right, <laughs> so, that's right. um, so I was um, introduced to a guy one time, and he's like, "Our theology's all wrong," and he kept telling me, "We just it isn't correct." And and he was studying Hebrew, and he was teaching me some things, and I was like, "All right, okay." Um, and I ate the meat, spelt the bones, and kept going. And it just like God just kept going, "Come on, come on, I'm showing you something." So I was like, "All right." And then I found out that Sunday's not the Sabbath. <laughs> and then I was like, what? Well, okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, I go, well, that's an easy, that's a no-brainer. I got to switch yeah. days. And so, um, you know, you know, whatever we do, we got to do with love. 
especially when we're sharing. You know, you got to do that from a framework of love because really the sheep have been taught that Sunday is the Sabbath. They honestly do not know that Saturday is the Sabbath. It's not their fault, okay? And so, yeah, that, so that's usually where it starts. You right. wake up and say, wait, Jesus went to church on Saturday? Like, what? Right. right. So then um, I started researching. It was a uh, uh, Feast of First Fruits, Easter, whatever you want to say. Okay. And so, uh, and I was like, wow we've been bamboozled and then I was like oh what about Christmas and I started reaching more and I started asking people why do you celebrate this and yeah. is that what it means to me well it doesn't matter what it means to you kind of and and then there it went so I got on I met my friend Roxy and we were practicing and she started teaching me and we started talking about Hebrew and different things and the Messianic movement and I was like oh wow here it goes so I looked on the internet and found you guys and it's been on and running to the race that, that is awesome that is awesome so most people find us doing a search, you know, Messianic Colorado, you know, they get on, we, we pop up, but a lot of people do find us that are searching, that are looking, that are coming back to uh, the framework of their faith, and they discover us and find us, and so you guys have been coming now for a couple of months, and I remember when you guys first came, and had a chance to talk with you guys, and everyone's all teary-eyed, and Ro Roxy's even crying, you know, she's crying, <laughs> I'm thinking, why are you crying, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, how many churches, you know, keep the Shabbat? Like zero. It's so hard to find, you know, a place that is keeping the Shabbat and exalts Jesus as Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so I was thinking, yeah, I think sometimes for us who have been here a lot longer, we kind of take that for granted. But there's not a lot out there that actually love and exalt Jesus and are having a love affair with the commandments of God. That's kind of a unique thing that's hard to find. So uh, Shane, I'm so glad you're here. Roxy, others that are new, welcome to our community. We're all on the same journey. All of Christianity is on that journey. It's happening, so uh, welcome. Thank you. All right, so in closing, uh, I just want to leave you with the word of the Lord out of Isaiah 51, 1 through 2. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. Seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth in pain. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom.